This is Healthcare Now Radio's Trending Now. I'm your host, Jared Johnson. Join me and my guests as we discuss the latest topics that are in the news or getting social media traction in the universe of healthcare and health IT. It's a fast-paced 30 minutes, so sit back and listen as we kick off the show with what's on trend now. Today, I'm pleased to speak with Danny Bowie, Chief Nursing Officer at Trusted Health and host of the Handoff Podcast. Danny, welcome to Trending Now. Thanks, Jared. Excited to be here. Help our listeners get to know you a little bit. Uh, can you tell us what, what would you like them to know about you and your background? Sure, yeah. Excited to share more. And actually, it's kind of fun being on the other side of a hand of a podcast. Uh, usually, I um, also host a, a podcast, so it's fun to talk to you and share more with the listeners. But I am a nurse, and I've been practicing as a nurse for the last 16 years. Um, I've had a really fun career over the last 16 years. I've spent time at the bedside caring for patients. And then I've spent time in a variety of different roles in administration for health systems, leading our frontline nurses as they deliver care to our patients, as well as looking at unique staffing and scheduling models and how to make the workforce space a better space for our clinicians and our health systems and ultimately very passionate about solving the nurse staffing problem. And that is why I have joined Trusted Health. So I pivoted from the health system side to an industry partner and working with a really great company to solve the nurse staffing crisis and excited to share more about um, some of the research that we did around nurses and mental health. That's fantastic. And I'm telling you, we need people like you in these roles. So it's great to hear that they've made this move. I'm looking forward to diving in here with you. I love to ask our guests something as well about their careers, about one of those good pieces of career advice that they've received along the way. Is there something that comes to mind? A lot of times there's just some of those things that have shaped our careers as we've gone along. But is there something that has stuck with you or that you feel like has has guided you along the way in your career? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And um, one principle I try and live by is being quick to listen and slow to speak. So I really actually learn a lot from listening, whether it's a co-leader that I'm listening to or the employees that I'm leading. I just have found that to be a really powerful tactic, tactic in being a, an effectual leader. But additionally, I think just being authentic, knowing myself and who I am. And, you know, I admire different leaders that I have studied and recognize that they have some unique traits but ultimately being able to kind of own my own leadership style and being comfortable with authenticity of, you know, how I tend and choose to lead has really helped me, I think, flourish in my career and find meaning in the way that I connect with the nurses that I lead and the different roles that I've, I've taken. So a couple pieces of advice. I mean, I could keep going, Jared, you know, I actually love the topic of leadership and career journeys, but maybe we'll save that for a different podcast. <laughs> no, it's great. You know, I mean, realizing that it's not as easy as just hearing one thing along the way and, oh yeah, now I have all the answers. I don't know. I, I think it's worth you know mentioning. Yeah. I mean, I would agree there. And one thing too is like, as I mentioned, as I've studied other leaders, I learned their tactics, but ultimately I kind of fall back on this principle of like the story of David and Goliath and just how David was able to take down Goliath because he knew who he was as a shepherd and he had his own um, way of battling and versus Saul, who was the king that also was leading Israel at the time. So I've learned a lot from like that story of just being like, 
hey, I'm going to be called to different battles and I need to know what my approach and tactic will be. Even if it looks like a little stone and a sling, it is an opportunity of pursuing that I feel comfortable with and tactics that I've used in the past for success. And so being a little uncomfortable in that, but then also being uh, courageous and willing to actually battle and fight for what I believe in in the right way, I think is key. So again, passionate about healthcare, passionate about our patients and nurses and how we can continue to support our health systems and our clinicians in delivering care to patients who are so vulnerable and need it. Um, And that's how I try and use that lens as I think about going to battle and trying to solve the problems of healthcare. That's what I'm really battling are the problems and partnering with the people to do it well. Yeah, it really is going to battle every day. I love that that visualization. (laughs) And you never know what's going to be thrown at you. You don't, you don't. (laughs) I'll tell you what, we like to start out here with a trending topic. And this is really unique. It's kind of cool because a lot of times we're we're finding an article or there there's a trend that's that's out there that's just out in the media but today the trending topic is something from Trusted Health. Trusted Health just released its fourth annual survey on nurse mental health. Could we just walk through some of those key findings and maybe we can dig in a little bit from there but tell us about the survey itself and 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 we can start with some of those key findings. Absolutely. As I mentioned, you know, Trusted Health is really passionate about solving issues and challenges that we're facing and particularly has extreme concern and passion for our clinicians. What we do, and this is the fourth year that we've conducted a survey, but we survey our frontline nurses and this year's respondents, we had about 19,000, uh, 1900 nurses, excuse me, not 19,000. And we ask them a variety of questions to understand how is their mental health doing, what's impacting their mental health, And then how can that help health systems understand and build solutions and programs and tactics to address uh, the mental health issues that we may be experiencing? So one of the key findings that we've discovered this year is that we are seeing some modest improvements in nurses' mental health. So we ask our nurses to rate their mental health on a scale of 1 to 10 And we've seen some improvements. So particularly from 2022 to 2023, we saw an increase where they're rating their mental health at 6.6 versus before is at 5.8. So definitely improvement, but it's also maybe not where I think it needs to be for the industry. And so that's why we continue to do this survey is just to bring to light that We do need to be aware of our clinicians and their mental health and how we can help care for those who are caring for our patients. That's one key finding that I think is important to call out. And we still continue to see some things like burnout and depression being somewhat high, but we did see a, a decrease in the moral injury and compassion fatigue and suicidal thoughts of our frontline nurses. So we're seeing modest improvements. There's still burnout and depression is as high, but we're seeing some drops in other spaces there. So some drops, but still not down to where we want to see them and feel feel good about where things are, it sounds like. You know, and there was some uh, research, I believe, uh, Dr. Linda Aiken, um, prior to the pandemic, actually the workforce, the nursing workforce wasn't 
in a healthy state, there was elements of burnout already. And so going through the pandemic, of course, exacerbated this. There was isolation of caring for patients who are so critically ill and also high incidences of mortality. And so that experience alone took an already kind of stressed frontline clinician and expanded on that. And so moving through this in isolation, nurses being isolated from their families because of concerns of COVID, caring for patient, patients in isolation is just definitely impacted in a way that is creating the slow recovery. And we really weren't in a healthy place, a full healthy place to begin with. But I, I think there are some things that, you know, are variables that positively or negatively impact mental health. So some things that we saw that were actually positive for the impact of mental health in the survey was that there was instances of salary changes that was a positive impact for our clinicians, as well as the atmosphere of that unit and department and how well they felt prepared for their their job. So those are some positive things that health systems are coming around to address, I think, the concerns of the workforce and how we saw actually through the pandemic, high turnover and vacancy. But the negative, you know, on the flip side, some of the negative things that have been still impacting mental health is the nurse staffing levels. So about 80% of our respondents said nurse staffing levels is a really negative impact on their mental health, as well as patient assignments. And those are two things I'm extremely passionate about and have spent my career around the nurse staffing crisis and problem and believe that we can solve them. And so just goes to show how important that topic is. Yeah, so so true. And I'm glad and the survey just reinforces a lot of things. You know, I feel like I'm a step or two removed from the day to day front lines and so I only hear things, you know, probably a little after the fact, but I, I still hear about all of these things. I still hear about the need to talk about it more above everything else. One of the surprises that I found in the survey was that 70% of nurses have never had their direct manager ask them about their mental health. So just one in five nurses have been asked uh, in the last year. Just one in 10 have been offered any kind of coaching or support. That kind of caught me off guard. That I kind of thought... That does seem like a kind of a low-hanging fruit, kind of an entry-level way to show that somebody cares and show that there is a way to connect somebody with coaching or support uh, or even just the fact of somebody asking them. I mean, it, it does seem like a, a fairly measurable and easy thing to correct, I guess, the other side of that. Did that surprise you or what else surprised you from the survey? That's a really great call-out and question. I also was a nurse manager, so I was a bedside nurse, and then I became a nurse manager of a 27-bed step-down unit in the float pool quite young when I took over and was passionate about leadership, right? You heard my introduction, like I've studied leaders in different spaces, political leaders, clinical leaders, I mean, you name it. I've studied leaders because I believe in leadership and I fundamentally feel called to leadership. So I took on leadership early in my career. After five years, I became a nurse manager. One thing I will say, when you become a nurse manager, your headcount is pretty high in those that you manage. So I was managing about 85 to 90 employees with limited support services. I didn't have an educator. I had like assistant head nurses, but they had limited administrative ability. So I was running all the performance evals responsible for the indicators of our unit, our budget for our unit, which is a multi-million dollar budget. So just high responsibility. And 
So I'm actually not surprised by that because when you run in, when you move into these leadership spaces, you, you typically don't go through a formal training. You aren't kind of guided in these things of like, hey, think about this from the perspective of managing your team and the soft tactic of managing your team versus also the transactional tactics of staffing and scheduling. A lot of nurse managers are just trying to figure out and actually spend a lot of time in the tactical side because they're just trying to get their staffing right. So the soft element of leading with inspiration and understanding their people, there isn't time as much time for that. And so I do think it's a recoverable piece. I think it's a good call out of the report for health systems to be aware of, to support their frontline managers, to train and equip them to understand how to address the mental health concerns of our frontline clinicians, ask about it in a way that's meaningful, provide you know the, the resources that health systems do provide or for mental health, and have a conversation beyond the transactional component, which is like your pay piece, your staffing piece, your schedule piece, and elevate that. But to get the, that done, my passion and belief is we actually need to continue to automate and solve the nurse staffing component with the right tech and processes so that the nurse managers can get themselves out of that space where they spend a lot of manual times calling people, recruiting, managing the schedule. And it's just a time burden, but they have to do it because obviously, you know, 24-7 ops and patient responsibilities require this. So I'm not surprised, but I think it's a good call out to highlight the importance of support to our frontline managers and how critical their role is in supporting our frontline clinicians. I love that. It's such a, an important point. Well, if you're just now tuning in, I'm Jared Johnson, and you're listening to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm speaking with Danny Bowie, Chief Nursing Officer at Trusted Health. Let's get back into it, Danny. Let's talk about just in general. I think the survey helps fuel this discussion, and it's helpful to know kind of just some context about what people typically hear or what like what myths you have to deal with on a regular basis? Like what, what are some of those common myths about nurses' mental health that you'd like to dispel? Like what, what misinformation do you hear, if anything? Yeah, I, I think bringing to light that that this is something that we should be mindful of, and I dispelling the myth that it shouldn't be talked about. So being able to talk with you today, I think, is a really powerful way of showing that. It's okay and it's important to talk about the well-being and the mental health of our clinicians and also to dispel the myth that it can't be talked about between, as we mentioned, the manager and the frontline clinician or the clinician and their employer. So opening up that dialogue of communication, I think will do wonders for the relationships with health systems and their employees and being mindful of how stressful the job is and the work that they do and how important that is and um, looking at how they lead from a holistic perspective. So I think that's the, the the key piece is dispelling the myth that you shouldn't be talking about it and that we should be talking about it and we should be building and equipping our leaders and even our other frontline, you know, clinicians, your peers to have honest conversations just to make sure, you know, we're doing okay. And, and I think it's actually an important piece for our leaders too, to be able to have those conversations about their mental health and their levels of burnout and, and concern and how, you know, what's the impact and how can we recover and, be joyful and enjoy the work that we do. A lot of clinicians go into the profession because 
it's a calling and it's sacred work. You know, we're, we're caring for people who are really vulnerable and we're advocating for them. And so getting back to the root of our calling and the work that we believe in is critical to, I think, recovering the workforce. But we're not going to be able to do that if we don't look at our clinicians holistically and also give them the support and safe space to have these conversations. Yeah, I agree. That safe space is something that does feel like it's been more of the narrative over the last few years. And, and that's that's refreshing to, to see that. It is absolutely essential. I love how you mentioned that this is a two-way conversation. We shouldn't feel wrong or bad about asking upstream, asking our manager, how are they doing? You know, this is absolutely a human to human thing. It's not just, uh, hey, it's something I have to do because I'm supervising somebody. It's, yeah, it's, we're all human beings here. We all should feel comfortable and okay and safe asking anybody in any direction. So I, I love that thought. When I think about the mental health of our frontline nurses, I'm w- wondering what success could look like. This is kind of aspirational, I guess. You know, I'm sure we're, uh, depending on the organization, some teams are going to be further along this spectrum or this continuum than others. So I'm just curious what, like, what that end game should be like. Like, what, when we all get to this destination, what does that destination look like? Like, what does success look like? And how do we know that we're making progress? What do you think about that? Yeah. I think that's a really another really good question and one that I've pondered myself. You know, what do, what does success in this look like? Of course, here at Trusted, we you know we did this survey to understand kind of your baseline. So I do think there is elements of measurement, just even from the scientific perspective of making sure are we trending in the right direction with support to the front line and the things that are important to them. But ultimately, I believe from kind of a greater good perspective of what success looks like is that I mentioned, you know, a profession that whether it's nursing or any healthcare profession, the joy of the work we do of, you know, the calling of what we've been called to and, and some trends that I would look at is, you know, what is the entry of individuals who want to become a nurse? Is that going up? What does it look like with those that are currently nurses and do they want to stay in the industry or are they still interested in in leaving, which I think is something that's important to measure. So things like that of like, are we trending in the right way to build a healthy pipeline of new nurses and engaging those that we have to stay. And not only that, I think success looks like owning your professional practice. So nurses operating at the top of their licensure, owning their practice and being able to work in a variety of ways throughout their career. As I mentioned, like I've taken a variety of different roles and worked with different companies and I love it and I've grown and I feel engaged. And, and so that is what I would also deem as success if someone desired that is the mobility of exploring and expanding their career opportunities within what they would desire, whether staying at a hospital, moving outpatient, working with a tech company um, like I am, like that's my hope there. So, and time for families and community and activity outside of just, you know, professional responsibilities that we have. Do you see more acknowledgement of that balance, you know, of the 
you know, more space being created to talk about that? Absolutely. You know, I spend a lot of times working with health systems and engaging them. And even some of the, the, the podcasts that I led, the handoff, um, this last season I talked about to leaders around workforce flexibility and all of these leaders and trending, you know, large health systems were so passionate about building programs to create flexibility for the very sake of well-being, work-life balance. So it is top of mind. It is something that leaders that I talk to across the country are passionate about. And it takes just a little bit of time to transform and build those programs, as well as, you know, it requires technology to automate and optimize it. It's not a like quick solution, but it's definitely an opportunity and doable. And I, I mean, health systems across the country, this is what they're looking to do is create some of the flexibility so that their workforce can engage and work in a way that meets them along their life journey, whether it's, you know, you're a new nurse, mid-career nurse, you know, you're rounding out your career and how to engage so that you are finding the ways that you want to work um, that maybe in the past we weren't offering. Well, that's great. That's encouraging, you know, to see some of these things have more space created for them. I love that thought. Kind of along those lines, I feel like the conversation has expanded. I think there's more recognition that nurses' mental health isn't just a challenge for nurses. I think you're speaking to it earlier, actually, the, the fact of that this, when we see success, part of that is the fact that it's not just an individual sorting this out for themselves. This is very much a community, a village working on this together. What roles do others play in prioritizing the mental health of our nurses? I'm thinking doctors, administrators, and you know others that come into play here. How do others play, what role do they play in prioritizing mental health of our nurses? I definitely, administrators for sure, have a big part to play in this in the sense of, you know, they're going to be supporting the frontline leaders. They can help with resourcing for programs and removing barriers when leaders, you know, the frontline leaders are encountering barriers of managing their team. And so I think it should be top of mind for administrators. I think they need to be aware of this. I think they need to be mindful and and also being able to create resourcing to support programs for their frontline, you know, whether it's you know, some health systems offering like counsel therapy, or is there ways that we can create creative schedules and programs so that the the workforce can go out and spend time in nature? We found in our survey that, you know, a lot of our clinicians found that spending time in nature and going outside really had a positive impact and helped them cope with mental health. So how, or exercising, which a lot of health systems, is there a way that you can create relationships or different programs with Gyms, you know, um, so those are some easy things there. I, I do know good relationships with physicians, that team work, that that frontline nurses experience is a really positive impact for the work environment. And so just being a collegial and, and having good working relationships as the care team is really powerful in creating a good work environment that has a positive impact on the clinician. So you Yes. As you mentioned, Jared, it is a community and a holistic approach in ensuring that we are supporting each other and vice versa. I think the frontline clinician and nurse 
also has a part to play with their own um, peers in supporting each other. I think that's powerful as well as supporting others on the care team, uh, such as, you know, the physicians, um, unlicensed personnel, you know, the, the, those that are serving the food or environmental services. Like, I think it's, we all have a part to play in supporting each other and creating a good environment of work and respect and trust for each other. Yeah, I love that. You're painting a great picture here that just helps everyone understand it, regardless of how directly or indirectly they are involved with frontline work, that they understand that full picture and, the, and they understand what it's going to take here. So I, I love that thought. Well, tell you what, we've covered a lot here. What haven't we covered yet? What else would you like our listeners to know that we haven't already discussed? A, a couple of things actually surprised me. One thing that surprised me in the report that I think is a pretty recoverable and easy thing to rectify was the fact that a lot of clinicians, what negatively impacted them or why they were considering leaving the profession, right? We're talking about this crisis in the industry and our staffing crisis. We're not going to have enough nurses in five years because of the retirements and the lack of enrollment in school or et cetera. Feeling of underappreciation was the top reason that nurses were considering leaving the profession. And that is a very recoverable thing for us to consider in healthcare. And as I mentioned in the intro around being authentic and being genuine. So I think elevating, giving our frontline leaders the time to pull out of these transactional spaces that often consume their work, which is staffing and scheduling and pay and the nurse sensitive indicators and metrics, which are important productivity how do we create the environment and culture of appreciation for those that we lead and doing so in an authentic and genuine way? And it doesn't have to be this elaborate plan. It can be, you know, in your huddles, in check-ins, in rounding, and just being mindful of that. And I saw that as one a little concerning, but two is a opportunity to recover and ensure that. Let's start appreciating each other. Small acts of kindness or kind words of, you know, thank you for doing this or calling someone out for their great job. You know, we don't hear it enough. And so I I think working that into our everyday practices is going to help turn the ship and recover our workforce and, and keep them whether at the bedside or in the profession in different roles. So wanted to call that out. I also think peer groups is going to be a really powerful way of positively impacting the nurse's mental health. That's what we saw in the report. So being able to also help foster community for nurses with each other in the environment of trust or professional growth, I think will have also great impact in recovering the workforce and building that resiliency back into their ability and their um, well-being. Outstanding. Uh, Danny, this has been such a pleasure to speak with you. I want to give you a chance to mention where people can connect with you and find the podcast. Yeah. As I mentioned, so if if you look at www.thehandoff.com, that's where we host all have house all of our podcast episodes. People can also, I'm on LinkedIn under Danny Bowie. I would love to connect with you there. So a couple of places to see 
the things and the trends that we talk about here at Trusted and how we are looking to change the game for uh, the staffing space and solve these problems. And so we'd love to connect with you through the handoff or personally on LinkedIn. All right, listeners, you heard that. Definitely go check out the podcast if you haven't subscribed, thehandoff.com. Go find it there. And Danny, thanks so much for helping us explore what's on trend. With that, that's a wrap for today. I want to thank my guest, Danny Bowie. It's been such a pleasure to learn more about Trusted Health. You can find them at www.trusted.com. TrustedHealth.com. You can learn more about today's show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And make sure you follow the show's hashtag at TrendingNowHC and follow me on Twitter at Jared Piano. Until next time, if it's happening in healthcare and it's now, it's on Trending Now. 